You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpahawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Hey, I'm Johnny, one of your pastors. Glad to be here. Across our uh, church, we're kicking off a Someone Asked uh, series where the pastors are answering questions that people ask us. We do this on our YouTube channel, but we also, we're, so we're doing it also in our, in our messages that we share on Sundays. So we've rotated this Sunday, and we're at the diff- uh, um, different congregations where we're normally not stationed, and we're doing an Ask Me Anything. So this is a time for uh, really anybody to ask any question they like of me, or about the church, or anything like that, and then we can have some dialogue about that. So a little about me to uh, get you started. I'm, uh, I'm, my parents were born in Egypt. They immigrated here in the early 80s. So that's kind of my uh, cultural upbringing. I've been a pastor for Circle of Hope for like nine years. I have a uh, Master of Divinity. Um, I'm a home cook, Seinfeld fan, Philadelphia sports fan. So those are, those are all sorts of things that I can speak to if you're interested. So um, any, anything's on the table. So let's, let's take the time that we have to have some dialogue. Um, how's that sound? Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions about this process? All right, how about just other questions? Let's, let's start there. Does that make sense? Cool. I should have planted some, I think. Yeah, Maggie, Mar- Marguerite. No, I was a uh, 23-year-old, uh, I was going to say boy, but uh, it, was a long, it was a long time ago, um, and Joshua, one of our pastors, approached me. Previously, actually, when I was student teaching, I, I got a teaching degree from Temple, and I was teaching for the School District of Philadelphia, um, and I was part of an apprentice pastor process then. When I was still in college, this is the one that ended up planting our uh, congregation in South Jersey. That was the first time I had a, a concept that I might be gifted in such a way. Um, that didn't work out, and I just kept being a part of Circle of Hope. I was a cell leader and a cell leader coordinator. And then when it came time for the Frankfurt Ave congregation to multiply, we, we had grown to a certain size. Joshua asked me and some others to uh, enter a process where we discerned who might, the ne- who might be the next pastor. And the group um, affirmed and discern the spirit and suggested that I give it a shot to plant it in North Philly. The coordinators affirmed the uh, proposal I had put forth and we did that congregation in North Philly for like eight years. And just this last year in conjunction with Joshua resigning and some other factors, we uh, consolidated congregations and so now I'm stationed at Frankfurt Ave, kind of where I started. So that's how the process happened. I really appreciate the uh, homegrown process, although we've done it in numerous ways. Uh, we've had national searches for pastors too, um, but there's something really uh, special about doing it within the body with the same DNA um, and raising up leaders that way. So I appreciate that. Thanks for asking. Does that answer your question? I just wanted to add that um, I was on a bus where we kind of got hired from the same day as we and uh, we're touring on this bus, and Johnny says to me, he says. I want to be a teacher. 
try this out. It's not really what I want to do. I think I want to be a pastor of circle. And then, like, two years later, that's what happened. I really said that, huh? Hey, will you keep track of the questions that they're asking so we can have this? This is Israel, my friend. So I just want a list so we can use them later. What's that? No, he's, well, he, he kind of did come with me, but. All right, any more? Yeah, how you saw? So Egypt itself is divided uh, about 10% Coptic Christian and 90% Muslim. My parents weren't cops, we called them C-O-P-T-S. They were uh, evangelical Christians. So my, my grandfather had a church in Egypt that was really an evangelical church. Uh, we call it Ingili, which means biblical. And when they immigrated to the United States, we stayed kind of in that tradition. And that's how I grew up. I grew up in a fairly uh, fundamentalist-style, conservative Christian household um, that really upheld a lot of, I would say, conservative Arab beliefs, both, influenced both by Christianity and Islam and this kind of uh, syncreti syncretistic cultural thing that was happening. So it departed even... I grew up in Lebanon County... Uh, Pennsylvania, which is a conservative area, but even uh, relative to that uh, cultural conservatism that you found in central PA, we were more conservative. So, so that, that was kind of the environment that I grew up in. And to be honest, for me, the, uh, the, the kind of fundamentalist faith was helpful for me, especially in middle school and early high school, where things are really helpful if they're black and white. But it did start to, uh, it, 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 was, it was brittle, you might say. And so it did start to deteriorate once I had bigger questions about the world. And Circle of Hope was really central for me to keep my faith and develop it further. And so I'm, great, I'm indebted in some ways to my parents for planting faith in me and making it a part of my life. Um, and I'm also grateful that I had the opportunity to flex and grow and change my faith so as to not lose it. Uh, so that was, that, was, that was helpful for me. Does that answer your question? Let's go Sammy back here. Sean Max, I, I, I came to Philly to study uh, journalism at Temple and Sean Maxwell, my uh, uh, 10th, I was on the 11th story of Hardwick Hall there was no air conditioning, and that's a distinct memory. And then the 10th floor, uh, Sean Maxwell and John Kopp, John Kopp who writes for the Philly Voice right now, found a flyer purportedly for a show that my now wife had helped promote at Frankfurt Ave. And so my wife thinks she's the reason I'm in Circle of Hope. Um, but we visited the congregation, and the first thing I saw was a, there was a, there was a, uh, like a bumper sticker on, a, on the side of a computer monitor. This is when computer monitors were as deep as they were wide, and so there was a lot of space. And so it said, war in Iraq, no. And I was like, hey, I think I found my people. And then Joshua gave an incoherent talk that I didn't understand, and I thought, maybe they're not my people. And so <laughs> I came back, I came back after suffering really a faith crisis, and Joshua, this, I tell the story a lot, 
Joshua still remembered who I was, still remembered my name, and I thought, you know what, I think these people are really gospel-oriented, so I think this is my place. So that's, that's how I ended up here. And that's why I stayed here. That's why, that's why we both stayed here. You know, without Circle of Hope, we probably wouldn't be in Philadelphia. Andrew, you had a question, yeah? Is it nicer in Lebanon County High School? So it, I graduated from Cedar Crest High School. Why do you ask? You're, you're a Cedar Crest? Are you a Falcon? Oh, you went to Mannheim Central. My uh, sister lives in Mannheim. Cool. Wait, when'd you graduate? When'd you graduate? Oh, cool. We should talk. That's fun. Any more? Yeah, Phil. You have to have a lot of faith to be a pastor, and you have to really believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to make something work. Um, Circle of Hope excels in what I would say getting people in, into the body that are on the edges of their faith. And um, as a result, there's, uh, you could say, some turnover because it's hard to hold on to your faith. And so because we venture out to include somebody that otherwise might be excluded, we can end up in a lot of challenging circumstances helping people follow Jesus together, especially people who might not otherwise do so. And so you really have to trust that God is gonna make this thing work. That no matter how much you uh, 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 plant or water the seeds, like Paul says, God's gonna grow the thing. And so that's the, for me, that, that is a big challenge that I have to keep remembering. No, there is, there is uh, God is, um, God's going to make this thing work. The Holy Spirit has to move. And so that's some of our prayer, too. And, of course, we know that in a cosmic sense, Jesus is victorious. And so amidst the uh, urgency that, that we plant, that we... Uh, disciple people, we know that this greater fight against evil has already been won. And so even when it gets hard, there's the comfort to know this bigger thing is already done and we're just helping to enact it and reveal it to the world. So that's, that, I, I hope that answers your question. I could get more specific if you wanted, but you had a question back there. What's your name? Oh, so you're Sophie Werner. Oh yeah, so that's my homie. There's two uh, things that helps me. When the Bible was too challenging for me to read, I put it away for a season knowing I would come back to it. So when it was too anxiety-inducing or difficult, I didn't just hammer it until it made sense. I think that's a good way to have a bad relationship with the Bible. So I reserve the right to do that, and um, I'm eternal as, as a child of God. So a period of time without reading the Bible isn't going to send me to hell. But 
An another thing that helped me was reading the Bible like it were stories that God's children were telling. And um, if you have children, you know the stories they tell are sometimes are are are, essen are essentially true generally and but but not not everything works out so so evenly and so that's a helpful way for me to read the bible knowing that uh, god's children wrote it and that um, it's true in a greater sense um, and also for me honestly studying the bible is really helpful and reading a lot about what people are saying about it um, i think we do it as a group and so we have people here in Circle of Hope that have committed themselves to that kind of study that I think you can lean on um, so that you don't need to feel like you have to uh, figure it out all on your own. So doing it together and reading it in community is another good way to hold on to, uh, hold on to the Bible and move beyond a very um, literalist, inerrantist, so to speak, uh, way of reading it. Does that make sense? Yeah, Matt, oh, this be a good one. Because... <gasps> because, Matt! I jumped when I said that. For, 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 for one thing, and I agree with you, you know, I, I, I think that there are reasons to uh, question the whole credit industry, which is why we have a debt annihilation team all together. And, and Marguerite's here, by the way, to tell you about that later. Is that right? But, so, I think there are good reasons to ask the question. And honestly, if you can help it, do bill pay, send cash, write a check. That is our preference. Just, uh, that's my preference. I'll just say it's mine. You know, so don't, if that's, if, that, if, if you can do that, please do. However, we do want to give people opportunities to share in numerous ways. And we're also not, um, one thing I don't want to do is set the idea that you have to live perfectly in order to be redeemed or that the whole world and what happens in the world is my entire responsibility. Like I'm somehow um, responsible for all the evil in the world. Now Americans think this because we think we, can, we, we are uh, the rulers of the whole world. And of course, that's the message you get from the, begin from the very moment you're born, right? You, you have an empire mind about how you operate in the universe. So you might scrutinize every one of your consumer actions because you think you're personally responsible for all the evil in the world and personally powerful enough to overcome it should you not use credit cards. So that's another kind of theological idea that I'm wrestling with because I don't, I am not easily condemned and I don't, uh, I don't um, scrutinize my behavior as if I were, as if I would be condemned if I wasn't perfect. That isn't uh, to say that we should be apathetic, right? Like Paul says, is this a license to sin? By no means is the grace of Jesus a license to sin. So we're moving together and progressing together without re-fundamentalizing ourselves, like Sophie's talking about, like I was. So I, I'm resistant to the idea of having a fundamentalist ethic about how I work, even if it's a woke fundamentalist ethic. Does that make sense? Sorry, that was, a, that was, that was probably too much, but... There's a lot there, Joel.
We should, or we could develop a whole alternative economy so we're detached from the uh, evil economy of the U.S. Right? Oh, Bitcoin is a whole other thing, man. It's a whole other subject. Sorry. Oh, there was a bunch of hands up. Robbie. What do you mean, like, things happen to pastors? I mean, I, well, I think, I think America, America was a lot of pressure on the pastors uh, to, uh, like, you know, in a lot of different ways. But I think, like, uh, interpersonal pressures, like, like being, uh, uh, for a 200-person church, a person who's not a church, a person in that church, a church, a church, a church, a church, a church, a Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, for one thing, I, I feel uh, in some ways responsible for the whole church as a pastor, but I don't feel personally responsible for everybody in the church. Um, that would be a recipe for burnout if you felt like everybody's lives are somehow in your uh, control and responsibility, and so you have to make sure everybody does the right thing all the time. Um, but honestly, I think most pastors in the United States feel isolated I think they feel relatively alone. I don't think they feel uh, uh, direct pressure. I think we essentially leave our pastors alone. Um, I would say that in the United States in general. I feel loved and supported by our leadership team and by our coordinators very much. And you know, I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt either. I really, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's you're, a, you're a good employer for pastors as far as I'm concerned. Um, I would like, uh, and maybe this is just my personality, but a little more pressure would be, would be helpful, you know? Like, get into our business and help us move along a little bit. I, I, I think pastors uh, should and could respond well to that, you know? Um, I like attention, so the more you give me, um, the happier I am would be generally how it works. So I don't mind, I don't mind that relationship. Um, even if it's not too much negative attention, but even if it is negative, that would be fine. So I want that sort of engagement. Like, like, yeah, I want you to read the uh, report I send you every week. I, we send the coordinators a report. Mine tends to be rather uh, long. And, and you know, read, read it, engage. That's what I want. Let's get someone else, Matt, okay? I'll, 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 I'll get you later. Some, who else? Let's go Aaron. Ten years ago, when I first came to Frankfurt Ave, it was the Burke Street stop when we were walking down Norris and there was broken glass all over, right? That, that, and, and, and now the broken glass is like embedded as mosaics around the, around the corridor. So a whole different thing happened there. Super fast development, 
Um, and one of the reasons the development wasn't as bad as it could have been, and when I say bad, I mean as uh, uh, gentrifying as it could have been, it was actually the presence of Circle of Hope in our thrift store, which, which made life in Fishtown and Kensington more sustainable. So it has rapidly changed from uh, having very few transplants and a lot of long-term residents to probably having about half 50-50 and, even, and even, even a higher percentage of transplants. Uh, when I say transplants, I mean people that didn't grow up here but moved here. Um, especially around the 19125 zip code in particular. And so how it changed was we used to be uh, unique for being people that would plant a church in Kensington um, because we, we would like move there to do it or something like that. And now lots of people are moving there for a variety of reasons. And so as Fishtown has become um, more of a a, a destination for a lot of Philadelphians to entertain themselves, kind of a, a cosmopolitan center, you could say, if you really want to uh, overstate it. Um, our church planning strategy has changed because we, we, we had to learn how to uh, reach out to young urban professionals more than the uh, co-living artists that kind of started our movement, right? And, those, and, and, and that's not exactly a clean line. There's, there's all, sorts of, uh, all sorts of changes that are happening and all sorts of people that are around us. You know, when the, when the space in front of us, we used to call it the positive space and there was a pink tank in it for some reason, when that became a housing complex, it was, it was obvious, oh, we need to change something. And for us, that also means, yeah, well, you should probably update this facade that makes us look like we're from 1990 and not you know, 2019. That'd be a reason why. Aside from the fact that it's leaking and doesn't work, to update the facade, for example. Let's go. What's your name? don't make a big distinction between uh, the people that are in and the people that are out, the people that are members and the people that aren't. Um, do you want to stop and translate that or should I keep going? Oh, okay. But, but if people want to make a covenant, we say, with us and become covenant members, there's a process for them to do that, usually in conjunction with their cell leader or someone who recommends them to the covenant. They learn about Circle of Hope, maybe in a meeting, maybe through a personal relationship, and someone else vouches for them in front of the gathered congregation at the Love Feast and tells us why they're recommending them to become a member. And then they share with the whole body why they're moved by God to make a covenant with Circle of Hope. So that's how the process works. It's very relational. It's very communal. Um, it's not very uh, didactic. It's not very uh, uh, doctrinaire, kind of intellectual. It's a it's a heart to heart, face to face thing. Yes, we do. So it, it's we we are we're adult baptizers. We come from the Anabaptist tradition, which means re-baptism. 
but I do, and our bishop does, honor baptisms from other denominations. It's, and if you are baptized as an infant, and your confirmation, the confirmation of your baptism, if that was personally meaningful to you, I count that as an adult baptism. But we're Anabaptists, and so you can get baptized lots of times, and that would be okay. Some people decide to do it lots of times, and that's okay. You know, no one does it every quarter or something, but, <laughs> but, but we do honor baptisms from other denominations. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. All right, Will. I uh, was in uh, Lancaster County recently, and I needed a Christmas tree. And so I Googled Christmas trees, and I found the Christmas tree guy that was uh, 20 miles away or something. And so I've been going to him every, uh, every year to get my Christmas tree, right? Because that's how I find the things that I want to find. I Google them, right? And so I think increasing our... Uh, Search engine optimization is the best way to do outreach. I think that's how people look for churches. I think that's how we look for kind of everything. And so that would be, that's one particular area of focus that I have. You know, social media outreach, um, Facebook and Instagram particularly, um, email as well, as, and in addition to uh, search engines. That's my, uh, that's my answer. Because I, I really do think that's how people find us. And when I ask them, it's usually word of mouth. That's the best way for somebody to find us or online. Yeah, I do. I, I think we had a good po uh, off-season here, and I, I think the East is a little bit uh, easier to uh, excel in at this moment. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I think, the, again, the best way, I think, for people to hear about us is you. And so when you communicate to your friends, however you do that, talk about Circle of Hope. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Some people do it interpersonally. Some people share things on social media. Some people change their email signature. There's a lot of ways to do it. But you're, you are the uh, vessel that, um, that shares God with the world. The Spirit of God is resident in you. And the more you know that, and the more you know that the things you say share the gospel, and the person you are is, a, is an example of Jesus in the world, and really is Jesus in the world, I think the better uh, outreach, so to speak, you do. So that's my view. Everyone's hands up. We only have a few more minutes, and I want to get some unique questioners, if that's possible. Rebecca. Well, one of my, I, I, I like the hobbies that I'm into. I really like home cooking, so that would be one way that I rest. I also observe uh, quarterly retreats. It's not easy for me to go away and to be by myself, so I really have to discipline myself to do it because life is too busy for me to uh, hope that I get to it. And so almost, almost on the, uh, it's, it's meticulously scheduled, so I go on an overnight uh, retreat every quarter, and nothing is going to really get in the way of that. And so those are, those are two things that I do. I just got back from a, uh, eight, eight days up in the mountains with my family, uh, so we were on vacation there. 
That's one thing that I do. And here's something that I, I learned on vacation. I, I charged my phone outside of my bedroom. And I thought, you know what? You should buy an alarm clock that isn't connected to everything else in the universe like your phone is so that you don't have this kind of inundation in the, uh, all the time. Like the other day I woke up at 4 a.m. and I checked my email and I had a very angry screed someone wrote in my inbox and it kept me up. Couldn't go back to sleep. So note to self, that, that is not a good way to not rest is to work in the middle of the night. <laughs> Right? That would be, that's like, okay, now I'm learning something. Any more? Yeah, Brady. I think that Christian peace starts with a Christian community. I think that we exemplify how to follow the uh, Prince of Peace by how we treat one another and how we engage in the world. There are a lot of ways to, to, to uh, behave in, viol in, vi in violent ways, and I think we should interrogate that about ourselves and work towards not just peacekeeping, but peacemaking. I think how we demonstrate it in community is the most, is, is, a, is a radical way that we can subvert our culture of violence. I think we should prophesy against the violence of the state too, without being encumbered by um, the perpetual nature of stately violence. Because nation states on their own are violent fundamentally you know, borders themselves are fundamentally violently supported. Laws are violently um, upheld, right? All of our power is essentially rooted in a violent system. So it, it will be difficult to completely extract yourself from never doing violence, but that should not discourage you from being a peacemaker. Just because you can't do it perfectly doesn't mean you shouldn't try to do it and, and have that ideal. Nothing comes, not, there, there is no uh, uh, disadvantage to doing something um, and then messing up essentially or, or not being perfect about it. So a lot of Anabaptist communities um, erred on the side of separatism in order to live their uh, perfect uh, gated off life away from the world. And so if I'm an evangelist, I need to be engaged with the world in very practical ways, which might mean I do something that is incidentally violent. Like I'm not punching anybody, and if that's, if that's how you're seeing violence, fine. Don't punch anybody. But as I participate in this economy, in this kind of political economy, it's, gonna be, it's, it's hard to navigate it. What does it mean? How does it work? I followed a law. I, didn't, I, I, uh, I, uh, I listened to a cop. Am I now part of the big violent system? Well, maybe. but. I don't need to perfectly operate in order to do the right thing sometimes. And so that's kind of how I see it. Start it with community, be an example to the outside world, prophesy against violence, act against perpetual war, and name it. You know, peace is so plain, plainly moral, that you have to have elaborate, very elaborate defenses of violence in order to justify it. Right? You, and you can see this because everybody knows you're not supposed to be violent. And so they write books about why you, sh why you could be when peace in the way of Jesus is so plainly clear. So that's, that's a little sermon about that.
I, I don't think I have any more time. I think I went way over, so I want to end it now. Um, I guess you can talk to me later if you want. Um, yeah, I'm available. So glad we could do this. Sorry it took so long. Sorry to the music team because I didn't tell you that it was going to be the last one. They're supposed to call somebody down to finish the uh, whole liturgy here. So thank, this is really fun. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.